Are you an investigative professional? Did you know you can find the best private investigator resources using investigatorstoolbox.com? This resource community was built exclusively for licensed investigators and investigative professionals. You can network directly with members, educate yourself through free webinars and blogs, and even create your own customizable research library. Membership starts for as little as 49 cents a day. Download the Investigators Toolbox app or visit our webpage at www.investigators-toolbox.com. I want to talk to everybody today about scopenow.com. Scopenow has been a big time sponsor of this program for quite some time and I just love their service. I've been using them since the beginning. I'm one of their beta customers and it's been so awesome to see them grow into the business that they are today and just how they just keep reinventing themselves and pushing themselves to get more and more information. What it comes down to is, is Scope Now is a tool that you definitely need to use if you do social media investigations, any internet research, and really spending less time digging around and, and uh, looking for information, I think is one of the best points of how Scope Now can help you. Their AI platform, their analytics are amazing. You really get an idea of what you need. You're reducing the time, you're reducing the manpower that you, you're spending on doing this research because they're essentially doing it for you and uh, they're doing it correctly, which is most important. One of the new things that they're actually offering is this flagging system where you can flag behaviors and really highlight and um, look out for fraud. If you're doing a lot of fraud research, uh, this is a fantastic tool and you can set up alerts. So you have uh, particular people that you're looking at, you can actually set up alerts to get notifications when the criteria that you set up is actually um, is flagged and goes off. It's really, uh, really amazing. And their relationship and association analytics are uh, top notch, really uh, cutting edge and really, really cool. When they brought that out on version three, it was a game changer. I mean, really being able to see how people interact together and, and uh, you know, having that relationship you know, analysis is really, really something that's cool. You know, one of the other things about being involved with Scope Now is their ability to offer webinars. Their team is cutting edge on putting together and getting out really, really great content. If you're a member of Scope Now, if you know who they are, you've seen them around on LinkedIn, you'll you'll know that they're constantly doing webinars on these new websites that are coming out, and uh, they're really staying on top of it. And don't forget, uh, any reports that you generate, you can actually white label those reports put your own logos on and, and really make them look professional, which you know could equate to more billing for you as well. So check them out today. It's uh, www.scopenow.com. They're a great, great company. They should be one of the tools in your toolbox along with whatever kind of uh, search engines you do. Uh, you need to make sure that ScopeNow is a part of that suite. Scopenow.com. Welcome to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. We have a great guest today. Author and podcaster Nancy Raumelman joins us to discuss her experience with investigative journalism and how she covers her hot-button issues in our country. If you follow Nancy on Twitter, you know she's not afraid to state her opinion. So please welcome Nancy Raumelman and your host, private investigator Matt Spare. And welcome everyone to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. This is Matt Spare, your host. I want to welcome everyone to the program. I'm really excited today because uh, I, I, this is a podcast episode that's like two years in the making. Uh, COVID be damned and, and whatnot. I want to welcome Nancy Rommelman to the program. Nancy, how are you? 
I'm fine. Yeah, I think it's like two, almost two and a half years we started planning this and other big things and then boink, kind of got pushed to the side. So here we are. Yeah, yeah. So New Yorker slash or Oregonian. Is that is that well, right? <laughs> New Yorker, born and bred in New York, um, 15 or actually 18 years in LA and then bopped up to Portland, Oregon for 15 years and now back in Chinatown in the city and very, very happy to be. So yeah. 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 So you um, you're a journalist. And uh, that's kind of your background. And we met at a Society of Professional Investigators event um, more than two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I, I was very drawn to your background and story, and I just found you to be incredibly interesting in your background. Um, just the, the journalistic look at, uh, at, at things. And I wanted to have you come on today and just kind of talk about it. Cause you know, we talked about like investigative journalism and private investigators and how there's some similarities there and some differences. And, and I, I think you have a, a, a cool perspective on things. And, and we're even going to talk about like some of the books you've written, which are sure. pretty amazing too. Um, so tell me a little bit about like your background and how you got into doing what, what you're doing now. So I did not set out to be a journalist. I never went to journalism school or anything like that, though I guess I'd always been writing. My, my family and friends tell me I was always writing. I don't really remember doing that, but okay, I believe them. Um, I went out to LA uh, to be a movie star, uh, which did not happen, which, for which I'm eternally grateful. And when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was like, I really need to make a living, but I, I want to be home. I want to be home to raise her, right? So I started writing. I started like reading scripts for for a big ICM, big agency, and then that segued into small bits of journalism. And by 1993, I started doing some actual journalism. My first story, my first long feature, was a um, road trip going from Los Angeles with a pen pal of John Wayne Gacy's, the serial killer, to visit the killer on death row before he was executed. And it turned out to be a pretty big story. It was a good, you know, let's jump into the deep end of the pool, Nancy. Um, But it turned out really well. And it turned, it was on the cover of the LA Weekly, which at that time, um, it it was very much like New York's Village Voice. Both papers are like ghost ships at this point, if they're even still around. But I love Village Voice, man. Oh, I know. And I, 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 wrote for the for the for the weekly for 20 years i've been freelance my whole life but i wrote uh, hundreds of stories for probably the LA read read your stories without even knowing who you were in in my uh 20s it, <laughs> it happens it happens people say to me i've had people say to me oh man I, did you see that story I really loved it i was like yeah i wrote that story <laughs> but um but anyway it was uh it was 1994 and uh, i had a career all of a sudden and i was writing for all the papers in la um it was a rich time for for newspapers there was a lot of money there was a lot of opportunity people from around the world want things from Los Angeles. You know, it's not like if you're living, like when I moved to Portland in um, 2004, I mean, besides journalism sort of taking a big nosedive in general, um, people didn't really want stories from Portland. There wasn't that much going on until, of course, 2020 when I covered the protests and had a whole lot of work. But um, Twitter, you were all over that. Oh, man, I wrote 24 stories about what was going on. It's it's, uh, anyway, we'll we'll get into that. But in any case, um, I just never stopped writing. Um, I've written many, many things. I've been a nightlife columnist. I've written for Bon Appetit. But I always the things I love the most, the stories that I call like the ones that are coming in the coffin with me are the ones where the story is being reported a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I look at the way it's being reported. I'm like that. I don't, I don't 
think so. Or like I either have a different take and I want to find out why, or I have a almost violent reaction to the way it's being told. I'm like, no, that's <laughs> that that's can't be right. And not so fair and um, balanced, damn it. <laughs> it's well, it's not just that. It's like it's just it's 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 completely per quacky. I'll give you and your your listeners an example. Um this was in Portland. Oh, I don't know. I think it was 2008. Um, there was a very small item in the Oregonian, which is the daily paper there, um, about this mother in Vancouver, Washington, which is right over the border from, from Oregon. And it was like, it's so sad. This poor woman, Lori Recht, is just such a shame. You know, she she was unemployed and she had fibromyalgia. And, you know, ergo, she had to, you know, kill her 14-year-old daughter and commit suicide herself. And I'm like, Huh? Like what? So I, it just made zero sense. So I went up to my laptop and within like 20 minutes, I had found out that this woman had been accused, had accused her neighbors of hate crimes back in like the, the nineties when she was at SUNY purchase, she accused them of, um, of uh, uh, spray painting anti-Semitic uh, stuff in, in her dorm. Well, it turned out she was doing it to herself. Okay, and she actually got in big trouble because it was a it was a federal school, right, or a state school. In any case, she I did this story and I realized she had Munchausen by proxy syndrome. Which, if people don't know what that is, that's when you you either um, you you fabricate illness or distress in someone else in order to get sympathy and sunshine for yourself. Well, she'd done this to her child. She she pretended her child had been sick her entire life and and it put her through terrible exigencies, just a horrible horrible thing. Yeah. And um I wrote the story. Now, that was basically because I saw something in the Oregonian that, that didn't smell right and I will well, here's a little pat on the back for myself. The um the head of the opinion pages of the Oregonian after my story ran in Willamette Week, which is the um alt weekly up in Portland, he said, "Can I take you for a cup of coffee. I thought it was going to yell at me, <laughs> but he yeah. said, no, you got it right. We got it wrong. Do you want to write for me? Oh, so, wow. you know, sometimes you, you just have to follow your nose. It's sometimes extremely not popular. You're writing something where people, um, they already think they know what the story is. And it's a story that makes them feel comfortable. Right. You know, we know the bad guy, we know the, the good guy, and I want to put it to bed, Nancy, and you're, you're making it harder for me to do that. Well, I'm sorry. Um, my job is to report the story as I find it. And hopefully I'm not getting it wrong. If I do get it wrong, I will, I will say that I got it wrong. But um, I mean, I, I love, I, I, it's, it means all I want to do yeah. is, um, so, is, um, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I, I got a question for you. So yeah. How do you think that, uh, like social media, the Twitters, the, the ability to have access to basically your readers, how has that changed your writing style? Or, or are you like cogniz cognizant of that, that, you know, you may have to defend <laughs> your view on something at some point? Like, how are you well, I, all that? it's funny, you know, um, unhappy people complain and happy people tend to not do anything. But I will say, I, 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 even though Twitter can be a hellhole, I absolutely love it um, because I have made a 50 billion connections there. People give me leads to stories. They encourage me. Now, will you get Twitter hate? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Of course you will. Um, and you will get people, especially when I was reporting from Portland, I was not reporting the popular story. I was reporting what I saw, but right. that, was not, that was not the popular story. The popular story was cops bad, protesters good, full stop. 
And I was like, well, you know, I'm out here every night and I'm going to tell you that, you know, absolutely. Did, did, did the Portland police and the federal um, um, officers that Trump said in, did they cover themselves in glory? No, but I'm also tell you something else. I'm out here and I watched the protesters for three hours provoke them with, you know, different IEDs and, and, and shining lights and trying to blind the police. I mean, you know, throwing flaming barbecues over the fence at the federal building. It's like, do you do you consider that that kind of provocation? What are what are what are what are officers supposed to do? Yeah. Just like stand there like a mushroom? So they didn't like hearing that because they felt they're like, well, you're you're uh, you're you know you're a Trump tart or you're yeah. you're 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 anti protest. I'm like, I'm trying to give you the story I'm seeing. I mean, let me give you a funny, hilarious example. So I was there one night in front of the federal building. And we could put a link up. I wrote 24 stories about this stuff and I have video and there's a guy they've like broken through the fencing and now they're bashing in the building again, which they did over this poor building had been had been desecrated uh, so many times and molested. And there's a young guy with a fire uh, fire extinguisher, like a heavy one, and he's smashing through the wood. And everyone's like, yes, with fire extinguisher. I don't understand. Right, right. (laughs) They're screaming and they're jumping around. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I I took a video and I posted this, put it on Twitter. And somebody came in and said, you know, I can tell that Nancy Rommelman filmed this in a studio. And you know, I can tell from the shine on this guy's helmet. I'm like, okay, I I don't know what to tell you. Like, would you? Yeah, I, I figured they probably would say from the like the moonlander that was behind you. <laughs> like, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But like, like, uh, like, I would have like, wh- why would I do this? Also, you know, yeah. I've been, I've been. How long? If I started writing in 1994, what year is this now? It's is it 26 years, 36 years? Yeah, I can't do like math. math yeah, I can't. I have, I have actually, I really, really can't. I have problems with numbers. But um, it's like, why would I like? Do you think I'd have a career if that's what I did? You know, I'm not. Years. I think it's 28. <laughs> Thank you. It is 28 years. So um, anyway, uh, I I love doing these stories. I'm about to leave for another story uh, tomorrow morning. I'm flying mm-hmm. to San Francisco to cover the Chesa Boudin recall. He's the progressive DA in mm-hmm. San Francisco um, that people are whether the data matches up or not, they're under the impression that the city's in, in big trouble and they feel that they can lay some of the, this at his feet. And uh, California has the recall. They've had it since something like 1911 and they use it. Probably, I don't know if they use it too much or too little. I think recalls are interesting. So I'll be going out there and speaking with uh, lots and lots of people and trying to trying to get a balanced story there. So th- that's what I love about your writing style and just your personality, who you are, right? You, you're this extremely creative person, and oh, thank you. But, but you have a like a, a nose for the news as well, right? So it's like you have that balance of of creativity and and just having that that spirit of of, a, of an artist, uh, but also not afraid to like, no, this is not right. This is how it needs to be. I'm going to go and do this. So it's something that has always caught my eye on your style. I think. It's oh, really that's very nice. I you know it's funny. Um, I went I went to Ukraine not too long ago. I went in March. And I've done some stories that, you know, get you get a little, get a little, um, I don't know if dangerous is the right word, but, you know, you're walking into things, you're having to talk to people and, and uh, people say sometimes like, oh, you're brave. I, I actually don't like it when people say that at all, because it would be harder for me not to speak up. 
and not to investigate. Now, look, I, I, I went to Ukraine. I did not go to Kiev and, and I was not, I'm not that kind of reporter. I'm not like a war <laughs> reporter at all. But the thing is when you, when you, when you speak your mind, uh, even if it's not, you know, if it doesn't match or it's not popular, and then you realize there are a lot of people that also have been waiting to hear this, or they've wanted to say it themselves, but they, they, they don't want to, because they're afraid people aren't going to like them or they're going to get piled on and they think you're brave. And I'm like, frankly, it would be harder for me not to speak up. Like I can't, I can't do it. And again, I, am I wrong sometimes? Of course I'm wrong sometimes. Um, But then you meet interesting people that help you do better. It's great. It just never ends, Matt. That's what's so fantastic about this job. It's like, if you're interested and you've got the energy to do it, you just, it never stops. You just, one story leads into the next story. And um, I think it's, you know, people that love their jobs, they always say I have the best job in the world. Well, so I do. How do you identify (laughs) which story you're going to focus on? And and like, how did you say, okay, I'm going to go to San Francisco tomorrow and and, and do all this? So I was actually in Portland um, in, I think it was February, and I was up there covering some more stuff that was going on. I actually went with the um, the writer, Thomas Chatterton Williams, who may, some of your listeners may know. He's great. He's American, but he lives in Paris. He's a really super smart guy, writes for the Atlantic. He wanted to do some writing about Portland, and he, he knew that I'd done a lot of writing. He's like, do you want to meet there? I'm like, sure. So we went up and met, and we did a whole bunch of things, and I did some reporting. And then I just kind of was doing a little West Coast cruise. And then um, a friend of mine was going to be in San Francisco. And I was like, well, why don't we meet? Because I'm interested in this school board recall because it seemed so interesting. You know, these the, the, the kids had been out of school and, and the school board was like super, super progressive and accusing yeah. parents, including Chinese parents of like racism, if you wanted your kids to be back in school. And then like, what we're going to do is spend our time like renaming schools that we think are racist. It was just such a, a shite show. Right. And I thought, let me, let me, um, let me report on that. So I did. And then I went to the, um, to the uh, watch party for the to see if the school board members would be recalled, and they were. And I met some interesting people, uh, including a woman who was very involved in the Chesa Boudin recall, which was coming up. It's coming up this coming Tuesday. And I I stayed in touch with her. And I just thought I was I actually didn't know whether I was going to go back to Ukraine this month um, or if I was going to go to San Francisco. So a couple of weeks ago, I just sort of committed to San Francisco and, and I'm going. And, um, you know, it's funny when you're walking into the stories, you don't know who you want to talk to. You've got some idea and it is bananas. This story is so hot. Or as my podcast partner says, it's such a spicy meatball yeah. that <laughs> you open your mouth. I, I went on Twitter and I was like, wait, hey, who should I talk to? I, I was getting so many DMs yesterday from people that like every 10 minutes, I had three more people saying, talk to this person. I'll hook you up with this person. Let's do this thing. And I was like, great. Um, and that's, I, and that's I, when you know you got something, right? Oh man. It's yeah. like you, you threw your line in and 42 fish jumped out at you. And what, what I'm really excited to do is to talk to everybody is to not just go to the pro and not just go to the anti and everybody's interesting. Everybody's balanced. They're not insane. I I already had a really great interview with a police officer who's in the mission. Who's like looking at all the, you know, the fentanyl overdoses. And he's like, you know, you see, you see brains on the sidewalk again, you start to get an idea that maybe we do need new leadership. So um, it's just a fascinating story. So hopefully I can, um, I can do a good job and and bring some uh, dispatches to, uh, to you guys. So are you getting a sense of that, that there's this starting to be this change of public opinion as far as like these hot button issues? 
I mean, hundred percent, a hundred percent, but you can talk Texas. I mean, that's a whole other show. Oh, so do you mean in general, do you mean, yeah. do you mean like overall? Yes, but yes, I do. I do. I think that, you know, it is not summer 2020, right. uh, George Floyd, rest his soul, uh, has been dead for more than two years now. We've adjudicated yeah. that case. Yeah. Uh, Trump is no longer in office. Trump, the great, you know, provocateur. Um, COVID is over. Um, we've learned from some of our mistakes. Um, we are not, I don't think we're in the ideological fever we were in in 2020. Yeah. And people have to look at it now and say, okay, um, maybe I felt like it was right to do this now. Maybe I'm tired of this. Maybe I'm tired of being called a racist when I, I know I'm not a racist. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are the issues I care about now for my family? And I think when, uh, just as an example, when Tessa Boudin came into office, which was late in 2019, that fever was burning, baby. And now whether, again, like one of my editors at Reason Magazine, she's like, I'm really interested to know, A, um, is it worth, are things worse in San Francisco? And B, how much of it can be laid at the, at the DA, Chesa Boudin's feet? And the answer is, I can give you that data. It may be not how much can be laid at his feet. But the thing is, like, it's perception versus reality. And perception counts for a lot. Sure. So folks, for, for, for folks that don't know uh, Chesa Boudin in a situation, can you kind of break it down a little bit in, in latest sure. terms? So Chesa Boudin used to be a public defender. So meaning he worked for, you know, he was defending clients, but his history is very, very interesting. So he is the son of two Weather Underground uh, members. Weather Underground was the radical sort of American terrorist organization that grew out of the Students for Democratic Society in the 1970s. His parents I believe it was in 1980, they were involved in, uh, they were driving the getaway car for a Brinks stick up, Brinks, Brinks truck stick up okay. with a black liberation group and uh, two officers and a guard were killed. They were not involved in the actual shooting, but they each went to jail for murder right. when Chesa Boudin was 14 months old. Oh, wow. He was adopted by the heads of the Weather Underground, who was Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers, who were gigantic radicals. Mm -hmm. And um, they were raised. So he, at one point, all four of his parents were on wanted FBI posters. Right. So he grew up, I think he comes by his, um, uh, his opinions of how he thinks the law should work quite honestly. Um, he believes in restorative justice. He believes in in uh, no no cash bail, he's he's very progressive, and you know there are a lot of DAs right now in this country that are. You can look in Portland, you look in Philadelphia, and we can look at the data, and some things are worse, and some things aren't. <laughs> right, right. And one of the main uh, complaints that people have against him is like we already have public defenders. You can't be the DA and also be more invested in what happens to the arrested than to the victims. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting conversation. I spoke with Lara Bazelon, who's very smart. She's at San Francisco State and she's an attorney. And she's like, Nancy, the, the DA has to, has to look at the city holistically. He has to actually represent everyone because we're all under his system of justice. So yeah. I just, everybody, I got to tell you, people are hysterical about this. I mean, she, I talked to Laura Bazelon yesterday and she's like, People are just like yelling at me, like you B word, you C word, as she's up there dry, just trying to explain his positions. There's lunch there if you want it. There's lunch on the table if you want it. 
Anyway, sorry, that was um, Matt Welch, who some of your listeners may know. He's recording. We have a recording studio here at Paloma Media. Yeah, he's he's recording with Maude Marin in the studio, and I'm here in the other part of my apartment. So anyway. Studio B. You're in Studio Studio B. I'm on Studio B. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. Well, this is a good point, actually, to take a break. Um, And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about your podcast, and we'll, uh, we'll dive into that and some of the new projects and things that you're uh, you're involved in so okay um everybody sit tight and we will be right back check out the pi institute of education at piinstitute.com since 1989 kelly riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance nursing home investigations insurance fraud domestic investigations hidden assets and accident scene investigations the pi institute of education is a featured learning partner in the investigators toolbox.com So check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. You guys have been hearing uh, for a long time about how much I love Cross Tracks, but now you're going to hear from somebody else. So we got George Gerges here. George is a member and user of Cross Tracks. George, tell me real quickly what you love about Cross Tracks. The simplicity of using it and the ability to customize everything that you could do with Cross Tracks is awesome. It actually allowed me to take the way that I do my business and implement it into their system. And not only am I able to manage 10 or 15 cases, I'm able to manage 50 to 100 cases with the same effort. Fantastic. So Crosstrax, um, the case management system, they are SOC 2 certified. Basically, that's an encryption, really an upgrade. They're the only ones out there that are doing it. So please support this great sponsor that supports our show. Uh, check them out. The links are in the show notes. Crosstracks. If you're an investigator, you should be using them today. Looking for an insurance agent that puts you first? Every PI business is different. That's why OREP Insurance can shop multiple markets to ensure you get the best coverage to meet your unique business needs. OREP's model is business by the golden rule, and for over 20 years, they've built their business by putting their clients first. So come enjoy a fast online application and same-day certificates of insurance at OREP.org. OREP has coverage for armed investigators, executive protection, and even has a separate policy for security firms. The application takes less than five minutes, so visit OREP.org today. OREP.org. Have you heard that the National Association of Legal Investigators will be having its next live conference this month? It's not too late to register. Join the best legal investigators as they meet in Louisville, Kentucky from June 22nd until June 24th. Visit Churchill Downs or sample some bourbon. You don't want to miss this great event. Learn more at Nally.com. Check out the latest issue of PI Magazine available online or via hard copy. Just visit PIMagazine.com. And welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Sperry, your host. Uh, today we are joined by Nancy Rommelman. Uh, Nancy is a investigative journalist, uh, creative, uh, just an all-around awesome person who likes to oh, report Matt, the you, truth. I want you to follow me around, please. Yeah, there we go. So she, she's actually got some books, um, To the Bridge, The True Story of Motherhood and Murder, which she spoke about a little bit earlier, and Destination Gacy, A Cross-Country Journey to Shake the Devil's Hand, which we also covered a little bit 
yeah. uh, early. And we'll have links in the uh, in the show notes to all that stuff. And please follow her on Twitter. What is your Twitter handle? <laughs> uh, at Nancy Rom, N-A-N-C-Y-R-O-M-M. It's a good follow, folks. There's definitely oh, a lot of uh, um, spiciness. <laughs> it's that. a spicy meatball, as yeah, my podcast partner says. Yeah, right, right. So, podcast. We we teased that before we yeah. uh, took a break here. So, tell me a little bit about this podcast and and what you guys are doing. Yeah. So, uh, a couple of months ago, I met online a journalist named Sarah Heppola, like it sounds, H E P O L A, and she is a journalist out of Dallas. Um, she wrote a really, really interesting uh, essay for The Atlantic called uh, The Things I'm Afraid to Write About. I think that's the name of it. Um, and she also had a book at, called Blackout, Remembering the Things I Drank to Forget. She's She's been sober 14 years, but boy, did she have some stories. Really, really good journalist. Uh, wrote for Texas Monthly. She comes from an all-weekly background, as I do. Anyway, we just started talking online, and I kind of just fell in love with her. And so she came to New York. We had a little party for her here. And... Um, she and I started recording and I said, like, you know, but as opposed to just putting it up, I, we have a little, we have a little media site called palomamedia.com. I've, we've got a YouTube and I was just throwing them up there. And, and I was like, we, we have to start a podcast. So we started, it's called smoke them. If you got them, we launched it, I think April 22nd and man, it just ripped out of the gate. Um, the cool. tagline is um, two journal babes on what's burning through the culture now. Uh, and we're covering different things. She actually went and um, went to the uh, Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. She spent five days there. Um, we're talking about, like we talked about Ray Liotta. We talked about, um, you know, anything that's happening in the culture right now. We we are just kind of, we're just like hungry journalists. Um, but if I may say so, I think we're also pretty funny and people are liking it. So I would love it. Um, people, it's on Substack. It's easy to find. Um, you can you can be a free subscriber. You can be a paid subscriber. Be a paid subscriber. And uh, <laughs> and um, we're really we're really enjoying it. We're putting out content twice a week. And um, sure. it's funny. It's I, I use this line a lot. It's like no one no one has to tell you to kiss your boyfriend. You want to kiss your boyfriend. And I just want to record with her. We recorded um, yesterday morning, and we do it sort of like we're doing. We're seeing each other, but we just have audio. And I was just like, so happy to see her and start talking. So I hope people like it. Um, give it a shot. Yeah. I got to tell you that that whole seeing each other, like I have a video aspect to the show, but most people listen to it online uh, or right. Um, right. the audio version of it um, through podcasting, whatever. And um, when you're looking at somebody, the energy is completely different. Oh, you have to. I mean, I, I do, you know, whenever I record with someone, I'm seeing them. I use Zencaster. It's super easy. Um, yeah, I mean, and it doesn't matter. That's right. Most people do like so. We have a the Paloma Media has a YouTube channel, and Matt Welch and I actually will um, we do things live, and you know, audience or listeners, viewers can type their questions and all that stuff. But most people are like, oh, we just listen to it. That's dangerous. Which is fine. That's dangerous. What? What's, <laughs> what's dangerous? Live. I don't do live shows. Oh, I'm oh it's fun. It. It's or yeah. we're just total goofballs. We just like it, and um, and people, yeah, we just do it for fun. So. I don't yeah. like rejection. <laughs> yeah. Well, who does? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, and it's an interesting format and, and interesting, um, different way of doing things. Right. Um, and that's, what's so great about content that's out there is that there's a, there's literally something for everyone, you know, whatever your taste is, you know, like you like to mix it up. Um, I know Kelly Paxton is one who, who talks about her the different shows that she listens to and, and she's got her list of things and, and, you know, she always says like, Oh, well, you would be surprised what my list is like knowing who I am. Yep. It's not all yep. about investigators. Like I, I listen to business type podcast. I listen to this and, and that, and, um, 
you know, it, it really is personal preference and, and the content that's available is just amazing what's out there, right? It's endless. It's endless. I mean, it could be cooking, it can be gardening, it can be murder, it can be, you know, numerology, whatever you want, it's going yeah. to be out there. Yeah, I, um, Megan Down, who's a very good writer and a good podcaster, she has a, a show called The Unspeakable a Podcast, um, but she wrote an essay mm, like way before COVID even about things were, her marriage had broken up, but she'd moved cross country. And she, she talked about the community. She actually started to feel she had by listening to different podcasters. Like she actually didn't know them, but she felt like she did. Right. Uh, I think she mentioned uh, John McWhorter and Glenn Lowry and um, Sarah Heppler, again, my partner, she had had that same experience during COVID listening to the fifth column podcast. Like she felt like these guys and some other ones she mentioned in her article were like, they actually were her friends. Yeah. And, um, and then of okay. course you break the wall and they do become your friends, I totally which is get interesting. It. I, I go yeah. to conferences and like all the time I have people coming up and say, Hey, you know, I can just enjoy What's the yeah. show? And I've been doing it since 2019. So I think I got about 175. Yeah. OG. Shows <laughs> People aren't, you know, if they're not tired of me yet, you know, it's, it's coming. <laughs> After this uh, show, like, okay, that's it. I didn't like that. Yeah. Myself. We're just going to end on Roman. She, she's <laughs> like we talked about that <laughs> all the time, right? Oh so for your new, new Yorkers out there, uh, Orleans was the restaurant where the society of professional investigators used to go to. That's actually where I met Nancy. And, um, uh, she was there the last day or I, were they closed? For totally, <laughs> totally randomly. I was at a speakeasy uh, on Cortland Avenue. We we met this guy. We were sitting um, at the bar and we're like, how are blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, it's my birthday. I just decided to take myself out for my birthday. And he's like gone and done different things. And he'd met all kinds of interesting people. And that was like 930. He's like, and now I'm kind of hungry. I'm like, well, let's go eat, get a bite. And we went to Forlini's. Yeah. And the next day it closed. Like, what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like, what are you going to do? Was, yeah. So anyway, real New Yorker yeah, here. So, so, so just a, a little side story on the two, like when we met, right? So your yeah. background, I was like, wow, this is cool. We're both big basketball fans. So we kind of hit Yes, it, we right? are. Right? I'm Knicks. Yeah. Portland, yeah. You know, yeah. And you gave whole, me some Knicks. You gave me Knicks tickets. I, I took my daughter. to anything, but my daughter <laughs> had a nice experience courtside. That's what I'm going to say. Um, so, so anyway, so like we, we hit it off, we met, I was like, wow, this is great. And then I'm like, I'm, I, I don't really consider myself a writer. Like my English skills, like when I got oh. into college, they made me take English 100. Okay. So, oh. you know, not knowing that I'm going to be writing for a living reports and things yeah. like that. And I, I have had the honor and the opportunity to write for different publications and, and contribute to books, which is amazing to me because again, English 100 guy. Now he's actually writing for a living, which is nuts, right? So uh, I had had the opportunity to write for uh, Psychology Today, which is kind of random, like how, why would a, uh, an investigator do it? But it was something they were highlighting society professional investigator members, and you could contribute. I remember I contributed something, and, and the guy who was running the organization at the time, Bruce Sackman, like, he came back to me, he goes, not the best stuff here. Like, you got to punch oh. it up a little bit, right? So it was a... You know, it was, it was hurtful to my Humbling. pride, but you know, it, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> like he needed a little bit of help. So wh what did I do? Well, Nancy owes me a favor because Nick's tickets, right? And I'm like, Hey, can you punch this up for me? And I had like literally a professional punch this up. And then I resubmitted oh. back to Bruce and he's like, well, I don't know. Still like, I'm still like having issues. I was like, listen, Rommelman says it's okay. So it's gotta go. And he goes, okay, we'll put it in. <laughs> But well, 
first of all, we'll work for Nick's tickets. I'm just putting it out yeah, there. Yeah, there we go. Uh, right. Well, um, lasers too, right? <laughs> right, exactly. But um, but wow, I I didn't I I could have done a better job. I apologize. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, it, was, it was cool. I, it, okay. it was just busting my chops. I think. Okay. 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 Um, and uh, you know, it it was published. I've actually been published twice in in, in Psychology Today, and cool. I write for PI Magazine, like literally every issue for the past three years, I'm, I've got something wow. in there and uh, I contributed to um, uh, Chelsea Benz and Bruce's book, um, the art of investigation. Uh, I was honored to actually write a, a chapter for that. So it's like, here's a, a kid who was like an English 100, but I actually has done some writing. So, yeah. you know, that's the thing about writing is like, you really have to teach yourself to do it. There's no, I mean, I'm sure you can take classes and that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Because you'll, you'll be exposed to writing, but the way you learn to write is to read and write. That's it. That, that's how you learn to do it. Just like, it's like you can read a book about basketball, but how are you going to learn to play basketball? You right. got to go play. Crossover so, stuff. Yeah. You yeah. can't read about how to do crossover. No, no. Um, it, you know, it, it's interesting too, because as investigators, like we have the stories, right? So it's like you overcome that content. Like we, we have tons of content to write about. Yep. But yep. it's like, how do you get that content down? So um, uh, Scott Fulmer's another guy, right? He, like, he, he likes to write. I'm like, how do you do the John Hoda, another guy? Like, how do yep. you like, just yep. dedicate this a crazy, insane amount of time to write these big, huge books? Kelly Riddle's another guy. Kelly Riddle's written like 15 books. How do you do yeah, it? Yeah, I, I, I wish I could be that, that, uh, that prolific. I had a girl once and she said to me, I've got... I've got this. She said something to me like, don't you hate editors? I'm like, I love editors. So yeah. why would you hate an editor? She's like, well, you know, they wouldn't make your work better. I'm like, well, actually they do. They she wasn't do. a writer, yeah. by the way. Yeah. And she said to me, I've got this whole book in my head, this whole book. I've got it all. I've got it all. All I need to do is write it. I'm like, yeah, that's the trick. <laughs> it's oh, like, yeah. it doesn't matter how good your ideas are yeah. or how amazing the stories you have. Right. You got to get it in a form where you're going to engage the reader. There's a very successful uh, newspaper. I mean, I'm a magazine writer and he's written tons of books. William Langus Fisha. People should look him up. He's amazing. And um, I interviewed him once a number of years ago. And he said, if the reader stops writing, that's your fault. If stops stops reading, reading that's your yeah. fault. It's yeah. always your fault. You know, I think the worst thing anybody can say to me as a writer, and I've I haven't had it happen in a while, but it happened a couple of times years ago. I would write something, and I would I don't know if I'd ask them to read it to proof it, or if it already been published. I wanted their opinion. When they say, you know, let me let me read it again, that's that's not a good thing. Yeah. That means it didn't hit, it didn't land. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, and it it is a process, and you get better. Same thing with podcasting, right? When I first started, oh, yeah. podcasting, I go back, I listen to my early episodes. I'm like, who is this joker? <laughs> this hack yeah. sounds terrible, you know. And and purposely, like one of the hardest things to do, I've said this before, is is do solo episodes, like talk to yourself for twenty. Oh yeah. Oh minutes, no. You know, yeah. But now it's like I could do that easy, you know. It's like um, hmm. yeah, I'm just comfortable in the environment and the, and the setup and, and doing it. And, you know, I, I consider myself to be kind of a creative also. I like to write music, you know, I've, I've written for you know, articles and, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to do different things and kind of push things um, to keep things fresh. Right. That's how, how I get good guests oh, and, yeah. and all that, you know, like yeah, I, yeah. I have had amazing guests on the show and it's had people like, how do you find these people? I'm like, I just know them, you know, like, and one leads to another, right? Yeah. That's what I was saying. It's like one story leads to another. One guest leads to another. I'll, I'll say something. You'll come back to me later and go, remember that person you said? She sounds really interesting. It's like, great. I'll, I'll hook you up. 
So, and then like I get bummed when like somebody who I, I want to interview goes on someone else's podcast. I'm just like, oh, well, I'm going to have to wait like yeah. six months now. <laughs> so, uh, well. <laughs> that's happened a few times, but uh, no, it, it, it's cool. I mean, it, and it's so easy now, the different mediums that are out there to get your voice out. And, and it, it's almost approachable to have the whole editor thing. Like I, I get solicited often by publishing companies, houses, whatever. Like, oh, we want to help you write a book or whatever. And I'm just like, huh. yeah, okay, you want me to pay, you know, 15 oh. grand to oh. write something. Oh, like how that. weird. Yeah. You when know? you could just do it yourself uh, for free. Yeah. You know, that's that's one thing we, we know that um, journalism in many ways has been demonetized. Um, we've moved things. How do we make money now? Well, I make money on Substack. I've got a couple of different Substacks. One is Make More Pie or just under my name, Nancy Rollman. The other is Smoke Em If You Got Em. Every, the cards have been thrown in the air and shuffled, but if you create good content, yeah, people want it and they will pay you for it. They, yeah. But they're never well, going to get tired of listening to stories ever. I read a quote once and I wish I could remember where because I've said it now like 12 times. I once read that people will voluntarily go longer without food than they will without hearing or telling stories. Uh, you know, ask Gandhi. <laughs> I'm sure he was a chatty Cathy. <laughs> uh, 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 I mean, there's probably truth to that. We yeah. are, you know, creatures that need stimulation, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. and I'm and I'm communication, the- which is part of the reason why why COVID was so um, debilitating. Yeah. Because we, and maybe one of the reasons why you know a Substack became so popular because we were desperate. To have communication, even if you were just listening, you know, even if you were just listening to people and you didn't, and you didn't like have a voice in it. Um, so there was, you know, the one upside to COVID is we've we've created an appetite for, and a market for, um, for for telling stories. Yeah, and the, and in, there is a saturation there that happened too, though. And, sure, and a saturation and a fall off, right? So. You know, there was a, a time where people like I could do this, you know, and then they see like it's actual work because I mean, you know, you do put a yeah, podcast on, like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. hard work. Booking guests, you know, like in in and in interviewing them and and then writing a copy for it, and I have sponsors, I'm contacting my sponsors, I have meetings with my sponsors all the time. Like, what's going on with this? And like, people don't realize the back end of, of things. Like, I have a producer well, who's amazing. I mean, just absolutely amazing. Well, we just do it. We're we're seat of the pants over here, but we get the yeah. content out there. Um, but it's like anything. It's like you know when frozen yogurt or jazzercise or whatever became popular, like then all of a sudden you've got 5,000 other people doing it because they think they want to do it, but they don't really want to do it. Right. They don't really want to put the time into it or make it interesting or it wasn't their idea in the first place. And so it falls off and you have the people that are still good at it doing it or the people that were good at it saying, Oh, I want to do the another, the next interesting thing, you know, I want to do this story. I go to San Francisco tomorrow. I've got a book idea I want to work on. Okay. So I'll do that now. Um, You know, you've got the drive. So, yeah, and, and like understanding the, how do you, how they can both like work together is something that's great too. So I had a, a friend in marketing, um, you know, he's in, he's in media actually, he owns like a couple big media companies and he taught me, you know, the value of using different mediums. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. you now have this podcast and you're going to be talking about the content that you write. Like if people enjoy also, your podcast, they're going to, we're also going to write. We're also like we're. I have my 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 Substacks. Um, my one Substack is pretty much all written. Sometimes I'll throw in um, links to a podcast, but on the other one, which is Smoke 'em If You Got 'em, we are mostly we're putting out two 
you know, spoken episodes a week, but we're also posting content. We're also posting written content, you know, articles that we're writing or essays or just like little one-offs. Because once people want to be in the room with you, like you can do a thing. Like I could do a video of baking cookies and I'm talking to people. Why, what's not to like, you know, you're, 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 you're spending time with them. And it's you almost, want it's to almost like the, uh, the format of the, the David Letterman interviews now, the new ones, you know, he, he sits down. It. Yeah. So, so, you know, for my next guest, right. That's the name of the show. Okay. So it, it, and he'll interview stars or whatever, but he never just sits there and interviews. They do a portion of the show that is that sit down interview, but there's another portion of the show where he's doing something like he'll go to their home and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. cookies or they'll go and right. walk the, the, the neighborhood or do like, he went like shopping with uh okay who is it with, with kim kardashian like why not? like in a grocery why store or, or, or you know and they're just chatting and i'm like letterman's a genius well and you like, can do I that love there's so no much. there's no bar now okay like you can go buy yourself a 200 hundred dollar camera and do that right yeah. it's not like you have to walk around with this guy with a thirty thousand dollar camera anymore you could do it yourself you could stick a gopro on your head yeah. and and do it there's no there's no there the bar the the entry bar of entry, is that an expression, is so low. I mean, we built a studio here. I built a studio in the other part of my apartment here in my nightgown. Okay, yeah, like, studio like, A, studio Yeah, um, we're in Studio B. Yeah, Studio A, like I'm putting up the yeah. baffling on the wall and like getting the camera set. It was like, we just did it. Yeah. Like, we just did it. We didn't wait for anybody to tell us, is, is it perfect? No, but guess yeah. what? It pumps out content and then we'll just make it better. Yeah. You know? And the other and key too is, is just it's sounding good. Yeah, right. content has good. to be good, yeah. but microphone yeah. has to be good too. And and yeah. you know that, you know, there is something to be said about production value, and, and yeah. I'm a big believer in it. And honestly, like I have sponsors, and they help pay for all that stuff. So if I didn't have the sponsorship, well, tell, send them my way. No, yeah. I'm we're good, yeah. we're good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I didn't, if I didn't have these businesses that believe in the content that I'm putting out there and supporting it, you know, it wouldn't sound as good. It wouldn't look as good, and it'd be a lot harder to justify doing a show once a week. Now, I'm I've been on the fall. 2019 every week, sometimes wow. twice a week. Yeah. So wow. it's like consistently, we have not missed one week. And, and it's like, I hold myself to it. I had freaking COVID and I'm still putting content out, you yep. know, yep. which is, yep. uh, which is nuts, but I, I love doing it. I love meeting people and chatting with people and getting their stories out. And you know, listen, you're not a private investigator. You know, why would you be on, on PI perspectives? Well, there's a lot of what you do that ties in with that. And, um, and I think you're a super interesting person. And I, I love what you do. And um, again, just the, the way you figured out to tell a story, I think is just amazing, right? That passion with the facts behind it being in your face, I think is something that's really, really cool. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Sure. And um, yeah, I, well, I hope to keep the stories coming. So I'd be happy um, for any of your listeners to check in. On, I'm really easy to find. You can yeah. go on Twitter. You can DM me. I mean, it's I'm, if someone says they can't find me, they're not looking. And um, and um, yeah. and uh, yeah, we'll we'll communicate and uh, hopefully keep putting out some new good content. Awesome. So we're going to wind down here, Nancy. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, two years in the making. Um, it's worth it. It was totally worth it. Okay. Okay, Matt. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot. Yeah. So thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll catch everybody next week uh, consistently on the next show. And uh, please go check out Nancy's show. It's uh, I'm, I'm going to actually go check it out because I'm, I'm excited. And uh, who doesn't want to hear about current events and just a fresh way, a fresh perspective to stay on top of things. So Uh, We will catch everybody next week on the next show. Take care. Bye. Well, this was fun. Nancy's a great guest, and it's awesome getting to know her a little better. 
Make sure you follow her on Twitter at Nancy Rom, R-O-M-M. Links to her podcast and books will be in the show notes. We'd also like to thank Crosstracks, Scope Now, PI Institute of Education, and OREP for sponsoring this show. So please, support our great supporters. And have you thought about joining Investigators Toolbox yet? Now's the time to get on board and join the fastest-growing digital community for investigative professionals. Just use code PIP201836 to save 10% on membership. If you have a question about the show, just email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd like your feedback to bring you the best shows possible, like this one. And we'll be back next week with a new show. So make sure you tune in and stay safe out there.